You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. morning welcome to the world football program saturday morning 10 o'clock to midday we are here the 11th of november myself penny tanner host mick owens and phil kelly morning mick morning penny morning phil morning penny and morning mick yeah morning phil we're off and running for two hours of football everything we can pack into the next two hours that is this week's football last week's football next week's football whatever uh, good show lined up, as always, this week. We've got a stack of guests, including uh, Abid Imam from Football West, Robbie Thompson from Paramount and Network 10, Don Sutherland from FSAA. No, it's not a financial institution, Peter Wright, but yeah, <laughs> thanks for getting on to that. It's football supporters. And Selena Holtz, a trailblazer, an Indigenous trailblazer who's now living in the Northern Territory, women's football women's soccer back then so if you hear me talk women's soccer or just soccer it's because i've been around a while and it was called soccer for a lot of my football life so it's a hard habit to break I think actually I, I don't think it's okay thanks phil yeah, well, yeah it actually comes good. from an english term i think penny association football exactly right which is so uh, yeah it's a probably a pommy saying I do keep switching in conversation. I think the two terms are interchangeable to. perfectly fine yeah yeah, yeah. i use both yeah because otherwise people just look at me like what Thanks for that endorsement, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much to our partners and sponsors, uh, Futsal WA, Gate Fence Hardware and Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. We do appreciate everybody's support and also those of you who become a member that supports our station. We love to talk football and the only way that we can do that is by memberships and partnerships because we are a community station. So bring it on, everyone. Coming to the end of the year in about a month or so time, a month, six weeks, and then we'll have a little bit of a break and then kick back in again next Thank year. God. <laughs> yeah. Not enough of a break. Uh, no, really. no, I know. Uh, well, I don't know. You miss, it, you miss it once you're having oh a break. Hold on, hold on. What's this break you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, hold on a minute. <laughs> Christmas Day, I think. Yeah, yeah, the only break. Yeah, what does a Christmas break look like, you? look like to you, Mick? Um... Probably a couple of weeks off over Christmas and then straight back into organising programmes, you know, and trying to promote the game for people with disability or disadvantaged people, you know, that's probably... Is Football Futures your full-time gig? It is, yes, yeah, yeah, Fantastic. which is good. Yeah. yeah, and how does that connect with Football West? Um, yeah, we work, we do a lot with Football West because we are like the charity arm of Football yep. West. So, you know, basically we are Football West. We're just a different version of it. Yeah, nice. So we do a lot of stuff with them guys. Yeah. What about Christmas time for you, Phil? What does that bring? Lots of family. 
Yeah. That's about it. And that's probably the time really to sit back and think about that. Get a bit of a break from football for a few days, maybe even maybe even a few more days than usual. And, and then, uh, yeah, back into it straight away. Non-football mm. family? Uh, a little bit. Some mm. yes, some no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, don't like, we, don't, we don't talk to the non-football family much. Yeah. No. Nah. That's the best way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of like the big connect this year with all of the football happenings right here in Perth, how it's just brought so much of football together. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. It's and, been a big year. It's not just about playing and recognising players. It's about coaching and leadership yeah. and uh, inclusive football. It's yeah. just everything. It's been wonderful. Developing laid women's football, you know, developing that game, which is just unbelievable the way that's yeah. gone. Yeah. I believe it. Well, I can tell you in my little microcosm of life is that my wife, had a has a challenge relationship with football because mm. of my involvement in it and the kids' involvement in it, and she what it's done is it's brought her in, yeah, as well. And this the Matildas, the World Cup, the football festival has yeah, brought her, yeah, and she's yeah. engaged now yeah. as well, and it's fantastic. Yeah. So um, that's what it's done in our little. Well, it's such an easy pocket. game to play, isn't it? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I've got the same um, situation. My son's girlfriend, she's mad AFL, but. She didn't miss a Matilda's game and she's on board big time now. Yeah. So. It's funny, isn't it? And actually, yeah. that, that's what has changed. And it's that, you know, people that weren't interested in the game are 100% invested in mm. these Matildas now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just hope it keeps going that way. Let's so. hope, oh, do you know what? I thought it would have waned already. Yeah. And it hasn't. No. And it seems to be going strength to strength. And we're yeah. talking about, you know, having an, a game at the MCG. <laughs> that's just unbelievable. Oh, that's a round it? stadium. No, why would you want to no, play? No, I know, but it's a hundred. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. hundred thousand people. Yeah, I know. I get it. I get to it. A, yeah. To a Matilda's game, that's yeah. just amazing. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's yeah. unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. So, what about happenings this week in the world of football? What's top of your list that's caught your eye this week, Mick? Well, I've got the I League kids tomorrow. We have our fun. Family Football Fitness from Football Futures Foundation. So, <laughs> F and football, I call it. <laughs> so, no, that's it. Uh, we've been doing that for about three weeks now. So, it's just a way of getting the kids, because they all want to play football after the season finishes. So, I thought, because the parents come down, they stand around watching, and most of them need a little bit of fitness themselves. So, I just try to incorporate some you know, little drills that the mums and dads can join in and as well, and the kids love it. So so that's at Gibney tomorrow, 9 nice. o'clock, every nice. Sunday. And what about you, Phil? What's been top of your list this week? Honestly, been much the same. So we've got walking football, over-50s football, social football that's taking place down at Ashfield, and um, it's been massive. It's been – there's just so much activity around the club, so – that's what we've been doing. And I think that's probably partially because of what we've been talking about before is um, just people just want to still be involved in the game. Mm. So some people want to do something. So yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, we're providing that as well. Yeah, it's my, just my thing this week is having to understand that I need to say no. Like there's, I just can't fit everything in. Like yeah. I need to say no. Yeah. I haven't worked it out yeah. yet, by the way. I, I, just... I was talking about <laughs> someone asked me a similar question yesterday and I said exactly the same thing. I need to say, learn how to say no. Yeah. yeah. I just but hate I, it. Um, I, I love doing all of this. But like, there's so much, isn't there? I know. And, you know, it's taken so long to get to the so much stage yeah. that now yeah. I just don't want to yeah. say no. Yeah. yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. I and so. I've been in the, we, me and my co-worker Jason, we've been going into the um, primary schools doing a lot of, football sessions with the kids like North Balga, Forestfield, Bazendine, 
Yeah, so that's been awesome, just getting the kids, because the kids love it, you know. Mm. And there's so many girls out there who are just sort of, they don't play for clubs, but mm-hmm. the talent they've got. I've seen a couple at um, Millen Primary School, I think, at Vic Park, and this girl, she was awesome. Yeah. I was like, who do you play for? I was like, I don't play for anyone. I was like, oh, Give it a shout Let's talk more about that. We'll I, get I'm that bit on the too, line. Yeah. Yeah. I think he can jump into the conversation. Yeah, 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 sounds great. All right, this is Penn, Phil and Mick on the World Football Programme. Stay tuned. We'll be back for more very shortly. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432-745-140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. That never gets old, that. I know. It's, it's pretty good. And I noticed we were both bopping away to that there. Yes, we were. Yeah. yeah. Good morning. I, I was nodding my head as well. Yeah, good one. Good morning a bit. Welcome. Good morning, Penny, Mick, Phil. G'day, a bit. Great to join the All Star team. <laughs> I was, was going to say a bit. Talk, talking to superstars. Here yeah. you are. Yeah. yeah. He's the well, man. Congratulations to you on your life membership, by the way, as well. Oh, Phil, thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. Good job. You're up there with the stars, definitely, Phil. I oh, know. I haven't got used to that yet. We'll see. We'll see how we go. Yeah. 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 Just uh, you know, long longevity. It's doing the job, and you. In the stripes, it's how it goes, right? Stay around for life. Apparently, yeah. it's yeah. a life sentence now. Yes, that's that's what it. That's that's what married, married for life. You get yeah. a ball and chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's not like that at all. Come on. <laughs> no. Uh, a bit. We were just talking about how there's everything in football at the moment: uh, conferences, connections, events happening, football happening, stuff like that. I mean, there's everything. 
that you could want in the growth of football is happening right now, I think. Is there anything else that we need to factor in in the trajectory of football that we haven't quite hit the nail on the head? What do you reckon? Well, I think you guys would hit the nail on the head. It, it is a very exciting time uh, for the game and we really just want to keep the fire burning, don't we? We want to keep that momentum and uh, 2024 season will be very exciting with what will hopefully be or what we, we know will be an influx of players and um, at our clubs, more participants, and, and that will bring more joy for the game as well. Um, and, and at Football West, we really want to help the clubs, of course, and help um, with this growth, uh, whether it be infrastructure. And, and you know, we've got the new Sam Kerr Football Centre and some, some exciting things coming up on the horizon for sure. Um, so, yeah, it's a great time to be alive, isn't it, in football? Yeah. In WA. It is, and hopefully that means there's well a lot more inclusivity for absolutely everybody to participate as a volunteer, as a professional, as a sports person. Uh, I'm interested to know what's going to happen with Gibney Reserve going forward now the State Football Centre is uh, launched as the Sam Kerr Football Centre. Is Gibney still part of the plans going forward for Football West? Yeah, I think it's um, you know un- uh, unofficially uh, you know that there's a. Uh, I think requirements for some programs or interest in some programs taking place out there. So, yeah, watch this space. But it has been a, um, you know, a very important venue for Football West over the years. Given that before the Santa Football Centre, they were they were based there for quite a while. It was before my time, and a number of courses, you know, coach education and different programs run from there. So there's some synergy. So I um, I don't know the exact what's going to precisely happened from 2024 onwards. Now we have the centre, but um, you'd imagine you know, more more green grass is something we've talked about before, Penny. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that is vital. So we'll make, maximise that as much as we can. And can I say that it does have a lot of history. I, I know Mick will jump in about inclusive programs um, and, and their use of the facility, but uh, back in between mid-90s that Women's Soccer WA was based there and we had our home there. Oh, um, really? I, I was on the, the committee, so the likes of Kerry Harris and Sandra Shopsky and Jeanette Spencer were all part of securing that facility for the home of women's soccer back then. And yeah. there was no other association in WA that I know of that had their own home ground at the time, so we yeah. did fairly well. So it's nice that Football West have assumed the space and kept it for soccer. Football would be good if they kept it as well because we do need that green space. And Yeah, make... well, Football Futures is certainly trying to, you know, we sort of work out up there quite a bit. Um, and we try and get as many programs running from there as possible, like I said, with the kids from the I-League tomorrow. Um, I know the B licence has been going on there all week, so it's still fully used and we just got to continue that, you know, make sure. And also try and uh, bring in the community because, you know, Mayland's primary school is just behind there. So if we can engage all them sort of people and make it another hub for football, really, you know. it's Is it a competitive venue or is it more about development programs? Uh, development, I think. So and you community. Wouldn't, you wouldn't need huge, like, FIFA-grade lights to be there for any no, reason? No, there's no lights there, so that's... There's, which would be awesome if we could get lights, because then it could be, you know, nighttime sort of I suspect there might be a problem with the city. It'd be fair to say that there. Gibney is probably a good grassroots facility. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's brilliant. And because, yeah. you know, Football West Sabina, you've got everything there on hand. You've got a little kitchen, you've got changing rooms, you've got uh, meeting rooms, so it's... 
good quality grass, trees Good around. quality grass. The council really sort of look after the facility, you know, so... Mm. Yeah, and I'd imagine that the second tranche of funding for the Sam Kerr Centre um, is probably to assist with transitioning to yeah. that facility over time, but yeah. that's obviously going to be some time away. Yeah. Of course, with Gibney, the challenge is it's a community-owned asset, right? So it's yeah. owned by a city of Bayswater, yeah. it's a lease, and there's probably community demands and expectations for that facility. Yeah, outside but I, well. I think that's, um, yeah. that's a, maybe a positive as well because then you keep the elite side of it and just keep mm. it for community because we need... Well, um, the green space itself is one thing, right? And, mm. and, and I guess that, you know, why couldn't football continue in that yeah. in, in, in at that facility? Yeah. But obviously the space or the building itself for meeting rooms and that sort of thing is probably... Yeah. Moving over to Queen's Park, I would imagine. It could be multi-sports use. No reason it couldn't Not be. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly no. right. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think... I, that, go on, sorry. I like the way it's a rectangular shape rather than an oval shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. it's easy to do your lines. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, a bid uh, post-Women's World Cup. Um, how are you settling down into the land of the living? You must have a pretty amazing portfolio and uh, a lot of confidence about you with the experiences that you've had. Uh, thanks, Penny. Um, yeah, you're always learning, always trying to grow, and that World Cup was, a, from a professional perspective, definitely like the best opportunity of my life and a real chance to dig deeper and immerse in what it takes to host a major football event in the country and um, to help do that for our home city was a huge honour because you always dream of a World Cup coming to your hometown, and I've been to what, four men's World Cups and, um, you know, been to Olympic Games, watch Matildas and the like, but to actually see it here and to see the joy in the, the WA football community and connecting our volunteers like yourself uh, who got involved, that was that was really magical. And then also the young players who came from regional parts of WA to be involved in um, duties like being a flag bearer or getting to walk out with the players... Um, these are like these are pretty magical for those kids and how that will inspire them on their journey. So it's all those um, all those things you probably don't see on a TV screen that I got to um, really witness, and it was very powerful. So we're still basking in the halo of the World Cup, and I hope that never stops because there's a yeah, really good energy, and you know we're talking about legacy, and that that word gets used quite a bit, but. Um, yeah, now coming back to Football West, I think that's been a real motivating factor to be part of the what what's next? Where, where do we go from here? And even things like the the Combank Growing Football Fund, uh, which was announced last week around the Matildas' visit, um, that's going to be a great opportunity for our club who are engaging in that club changer program, which is really beneficial. They'll be able to access funding for uh, women and girls' participation initiatives up to $5,000, and also um, addressing the needs around coaching and mentoring and education. So I, I think that, you know, the World Cup was amazing, incredible, and now we're looking to the future, and it's nice to see some uh, national initiatives roll out and, and to be part of it here in WA. I think that's, um, that's been fantastic over the last couple of months being back with the team. I think you're right a bit. The momentum post-World Cup has been pretty amazing. I'm pretty sure that we've all got our own stories of the clubs we're connected to having inquiries and um, being, uh, you know, having to think about you know, what over summer 
rather than what starts in the new year, like do we have five-a-side, do we have walking football, do we have inclusive football programs because it's generated, the, the World Cup year has generated so many more questions and interest than it was before. I'm pretty sure at, at Ashfield um, there's walking football, isn't there, Phil? There's summer programs. Walking football and sevens. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, so, so. That's, that's new, right? New, absolutely new. Yeah. yeah. And a walking football... Well, walking football's not new. It's probably been around... Is maybe it? we're in our second year. Yep. But it's immensely popular now. So we're, mm. you know, and we're at a point where we we probably should turn people away, but we won't. Um, we're just trying to find space for them. And that's that's our biggest issue at the moment, is finding space for all these people to play um, the form of football that they want to play. Yep, and if there's more clubs around Perth playing it, we can refer them to the nearest club. There's a festival on at the State Next Football Centre. Next Saturday. Yes, there yes. is. Yes. yes. Although... I've seen some of them walking footballers and some of them don't walk. Yeah, walking, walk, yeah, walking's a, like a suggestion I think, is, uh, is the best way to put it. Yeah. We actually um, did um, a session in Fremantle Park midweek with yeah. some young people who were sort of, you know, struggling with mental health and all that. Yeah. And, you know, at first they were like, hmm, disengaged. So we said, why don't we try a bit of walking football? Yeah. And they, they were right into it. Yeah, it's, amazing. it's an amazing leveller as well. And I know, like what you said before is true, with respect to the walking element. Um, but most people try to yeah, walk. Yeah. And, and it's amazing how much of a leveller it is. You've got players of varying skill sets and varying abilities yeah. and are able to compete fairly well against each other. And it's um, an amazing format of football and I'm glad we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it, again, it's another connector in our society. Exactly right. And yeah. it's that kind of ma- mature age space where there's, there's families involved. It's yeah. not yeah. just a, a kid coming to play football and then oh. off they go oh, again. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a generation, and granddad. Yeah. One, well, one of the things we've done at our walking football program is we haven't limited it by age. So we've got an 80-year-old playing against a 16-year-old. <laughs> in that. And I'm, like, genuinely, it's amazing. Yeah. It no really slide tackles, no overhead balls. Can't go into the goalkeeper's area. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you kind of le- – it's a leveller. Yeah, very much a leveller. Um, but it's still really ultra-competitive. Yeah. Well. Trust me, there's still arguments. There's still well, there's still occasional <laughs> shirt grabs and – Yeah, yeah, tripping. You know, oh, few, few noses touching. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if you remember oh, the oh. Unity pitch down at Scarborough Beach, yep. which seems like a long time ago now. Yep. But we had a walk-in football because, like, Football Futures took yeah. over that Unity pitch yep. for the yeah. weekend. We had a, a lot of yeah. inclusive – programs on and walking football was one of them mm. and it was just amazing it's sort of the first time i've seen it really you know yeah like in there was ladies must have been in the 70s getting into it you know yeah, a little bit of that, yeah. And all that. Yeah. Hey, you, hey bid uh given that you're back in the the land of the living here in football but it's post-season what is your mandate and you know just reaffirm what your actual title is and <laughs> what you're going to be doing over the summer period I like how you call it the land of the living. <laughs> like it's a movie or something. Uh, yeah, so I've come in and um, my role before uh, FIFA World Cup was club engagement lead. And um, so the anchor in our team is our club development officer. She's working on the club changer program, which is a great opportunity for clubs to get involved um, on the game plan Sport Australia platform. And I mentioned the grants and these types of opportunities that come out of Completing um, game plan or club changer, and then um, I've come in where there's an opportunity to. I'm currently football operations coordinator, and to have some uh, contribution and involvement with different parts of our football operations scope, which means 
you know, a bit more around competition, still the club engagement and support, uh, working closely with different parts of our uh, internal team to help um, grow the game. But it's, yeah, competitions will be an interesting one as, as we, uh, so Dan Israel is the club's and competition manager, so supporting around some initiatives there and um, you know, our operations support team uh, working really hard on planning the next season coming up and some of that communication and community participation as well. So it's um, quite broad and, and working with our management to support the, the rollout of initiatives um, in an efficient manner. So it's evolving a little bit, but happy to be involved in different parts of Football West and learn and and try and contribute uh, um, some success there. It might be easier a bit if you run through the things you're not going to be looking after <laughs> football <laughs> next year. He jumps in the football futures office occasionally, so... That's so funny. <laughs> it, it, it didn't say anything. There's nothing. Yeah, there is nothing. So there you go. So basically, a bit doing, a bit will be doing everything next year, yeah. people. There we go. <laughs> yeah, at the moment, happy to put my hand up to help in anything, really, so passionate. So he was even helping us uh, roll up the inflatable at the um, festival of football. I bid, didn't, wasn't you? Hey, <laughs> yeah. you did a good job that there, was a mate. Good experience with Mick. And it was, <laughs> trust me, if you're ever going to roll up an inflatable, do it with Mick because no one can motivate a team like Mick. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I should be on Who Dares Wins with SAS Australia. <laughs> hey, bit there's a couple of other things happening in the football space. The Singer Cup teams are away at the moment, the 12s, 14s, 16s in the girls and boys space. That, that must be one of the longest running into WA Asia Cup competitions. Close to it, think yeah. Of. I remember it when I was a kid. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, how good is it? Because we know that Western Australia is on the doorstep of Asia and Asia is this massive growth opportunity for the game and for even broader than that for Australia um, to have that sports diplomacy. And uh, you'll see our strap plan that was recently released by Football West. It's, um, you know, aligning with Football Australia that there's one key difference in that We've got a, a pillar that's around the Sam Kerr Football Centre and also Asian engagement, and we're looking to develop more two-way flow now that travel has opened up a bit more. And, and we're, you know, the Matildas have used the venue and they love it. So we, we really want to um, have more teams and more opportunities for that venue to be activated and used by some of the best in Asia. Um, but then for our kids, for our regional kids to go over, what an experience for them and as you say it's such a long-standing event and um, it's great for us and our team that can go and be team managers and help coach and, and help build relations with these um, these FAs around around Asia so um, I hope WA plays a real prominent role in in, um, in that sports diplomacy and football diplomacy um, and even easier hosting the under-17s World Cup right now and one of the biggest countries in the world, and we're only four hours away from them, like closer than Sydney and Melbourne. So, um, I was yeah, about to make that point a bit, that our geographic location, um, Asia's absolutely needs to be a critical part of our strategic plan, and it is in the, in the new one that Football West have released recently. Um, just with, with our closeness and easy access to Asia, um, it's certainly something that we need to leverage as much as we can, and in that football diplomacy space is, is where it's going to be probably the most valuable. Even even yeah, in the uh, um, disability space, I big because the Asian Cup is mm. happening at the moment mm. over east. Yeah, and you know yeah. these teams are getting more. Like I looked at the Aussie Thailand game recently, 
And like a, a year or two ago, the Aussies were like, you know, winning them games like 10 nil, but yeah. uh, it ends up 1 1. So they're really sort of, they're really coming on in, in their inclusive football as yeah, well, okay. which, is, yeah. which is pretty awesome. We have to absolutely mention the Asian Championships that yeah. have just, uh, was it over, overnight? The last 24 40 Yeah, hours. yeah, yeah. The girls played their final yesterday. The boys played their final today. Yep. So as we know, the Paramount Hilders won against Asian, Japan. So Asian they are champions. Asian champions, yeah. Very nice. And they were actually runner-ups in the World Cup in Spain last year. So, you know, they're definitely up there. And can I say that this conversation that we're having about Paramatildas and inclusive football has really escalated through this year. Yeah. It's the the platform of it's the Matildas and the Socceroos absolutely. has just put yeah. a lot of things up in the forefront of our conversations. Mm. Loving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've noticed quite a few more girls, you know, with disability coming into like the I League, the equal football division space and Hopefully that's because we're talking about it and they're understanding there's opportunities out there. There's yeah, places yeah. for them to be Absolutely. a part of football. Completely. Yeah. Did I notice as well, I saw a report that Mark Schwarzer, who is was mm. Australia's most capped international player, mm. he's lost his yeah, title, right? David Barber. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Yep. Nice. Although I think they've let him sort of get... <laughs> no, he's there on merit. I'm only joking. <laughs> nah, he's, um, he's been a legend in the games over Barber. Like, I think one of the commentators, because all the games have been on SBS, mm. and he said one of the players in the team was nine years old when like David Barber was playing and he that play now as children and wow. so he, that's how long yeah, he's been there. And he's, I think he's played every position because he's been playing in the goalkeeper space. Yeah. For the last couple of years. Yeah. But he can get out and sort of run around. And Alessandro Lavagetta got the captain's armband, I think, in the last game, in the second half, because Barber went off. Mm-hmm. So, which is Alessandro's a WA player from. Yeah. 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 So that was good. You said that very well with your English accent. I was very impressed. Well, I've known him a long time. And, yeah. you know, if I don't say <laughs> it properly, his mum and dad look at me like, you don't say it like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to do the Italian, so yeah, the yeah, Alessandro yeah. Lavagetta. Yeah. That Dude, that's pretty good. good. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I've yeah. been Lots of practice. Yeah. Lots. A bit before we let you go, is there anything that we should cover before you go on your merry way for the weekend? Um, while we're talking about mixed pronunciation, <laughs> do we know that he's a chef? Sorry, what was that? A chef. Do oh. we know that, he, that he's a chef? So <laughs> yeah. I think he can pronounce yeah. his name. So I can... Imagine he can pronounce the Italian cuisine quite well as well. Yeah, yeah, spaghetti bolognese, right? Yeah. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Lasagna. <laughs> Good one. No. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Abid, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, as always, great to have a chat to you. Are you going to have some football free space over the weekend? Uh, no, there's no such thing. In fact, in a couple <laughs> of hours, I'll be off to Per Glory Women's uh, for... Hopefully four wins in a row against Adelaide tonight. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, for people, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be helping out with the MC duties. But yeah, really looking forward to uh, the team going from strength to strength. It's been exciting to watch them yeah. uh, this season. So well, it's always exciting to watch them. But this season with some fantastic WA products, you know, the NCT girls, Johnson and Cassidy, and to see them, you know, regularly starting and playing really well. Um, a huge nod of approval to what the programs are happening here. Yeah, T.S. Stone Hill. I was just going to say a bit, have you noticed uh, like many more people coming to watch the girls or what's the sort of attendance sort of figures like? I think, um, and Penny will say, because Penny attends these matches too, and um, I think the first game of the season, definitely across the whole tournament, uh, the whole competition, sorry, 
we saw a massive uplift in our records being broken for the oh, club. That's brilliant, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it's been great. And then with the you know with the wins, um, I think tonight Saturday night football, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. Everyone yeah, likes a winner, don't they? Board. There's about 20,000 of those uh, Liberty Adelaide passes given out to the kids, which, you know, oh, if well, you, yeah, you do the yeah. maths on that, they're under the age of 16, someone's got to drive them. Uh, yeah, yeah, There's a lot of good. people coming to the games. Yeah, so awesome. 20,000 for glory? No. Or, or just in, across no. the board? Uh, ah, okay. Across the whole league. I was going to say, because yeah. 20,000 turn up at Macedonia Park, there's going to be a problem. They were fit. They were fit. But if it follows the, um, what's been happening in the UK, where, like, the attendances are getting there, you mm. know, it'd be... Brilliant. For the WSL games. Yeah, massive. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely massive. Abid, thank you so much. We could talk all day, but we will not. Um, you go and enjoy the rest of your football weekend, young man, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank See you ya. so much. I See really respect all of you for the roles you play. Um, very uh, highly distinguished panel you've got there. <laughs> so, yeah, love it. Um, and also, just one last one, Football West, uh, watch this space because we're planning a women and girls forum at Stan Kerr football centre, so that'll be a really good way to celebrate the year that's been, but also look at where we're going to head um, in the future around some competition models and different gaps that exist, and we'll have some great speakers. So uh, watch this space around early December, um, and would love to see you there if you're all passionate about it and want to help and you're involved at your club committee. Um, those are the types of audiences we're looking for. So Thank you very much, and yeah, keep smiling, keep scoring. And I assume you'll be emceeing that event as well a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and the strategy meeting on Monday night as well, probably. Yeah, yeah. good on you, a bit. Yeah, so you just couldn't couldn't resist. Like, you have a great weekend, a bit. Thank you, guys. Bye bye. See you, See you bye. We almost started a new conversation there, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, my bad. Look, yeah. uh, we're going to go to a break and we're going to come back and catch Robbie Thompson, match commentator for Paramount and Network 10. This is Penn, Phil and Mick in the studio. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Do we really believe they come from somewhere else? Leagues in far-off lands. Galaxies full of superstars. What if they were made right here? In the city streets and sun-drenched suburbs. Small towns and home grounds. Our parks and pitches aren't just rectangles of dirt and turf. They're fertile grounds where greatness is unearthed. Where rogage was raised. Where curls grown. Even if they end up there, they all start here. front of our eyes and hearts. And right here is where you'll find the next one. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny, Mick, 
and Phil in the studio until 12 today. Lots of football to be talking about and lots of accents. So, Robbie Thompson, <laughs> good morning. You're going to have to guess which one is Mick and which one is Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Robbie. Okay, How are you? <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, Mick's the one with the funny accent. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, gotcha. So I don't have a funny accent, just to confirm. <laughs> I think he's an all got funny accent. <laughs> no, the two ockers are definitely not a feel. Yeah. Actually, Mick, how long have you been here in Australia? Um, I came to Australia in 1992. That's a so fair amount of time. Actually, in November, so it's probably 31 years this month. Wow. But I've been back. We left and went off, me and the missus, for a couple of years. Went through Southeast Asia, India, back to the UK. Just living the life for two years, not working. Well, I've worked for about eight months in Jersey, in the Channel Islands. I don't know if you know where that is. So, so just let me clarify, working with the Football Futures Foundation is actually your retirement? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not that old yet, Penny. Still got a few years to no, go. No, no, retirement doesn't mean not doing anything. Why do people think that? No, I know. Retirement no. just means a change in life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Sort yeah. of. Yeah. To get out of the kitchens, as Abid said. I think most of the time retirement these days means going to work in the space that you love. Yeah. Whereas you dedicated your life to working to put food on the table. And yeah. Ideally, that's what you'd want. Ideally, yeah. Ideally, yeah. that's what yeah. you want. Yes. Yeah. Robbie, what's happening in Robbie Thompson's world? Oh, well, I'm just wondering how, how Mick's managed to hold on to that accent. I know, no. right? <laughs> I was five years in, in France and my accent just went completely mental. And lost it and didn't sound like... And no one could ever tell where I was from in the end. Even when I came back here, every, most English people thought I was South African. Australians thought I was English. Yeah. And, uh, and where and, are yeah, you from, Robbie? Because I'm... Cam- I, Canberra. Oh, there you go, right. <laughs> well, I, I can't sort of switch into an Aussie accent quite easily. I'm Italian, as Penny here yeah. before. You're Italian was, was again, on but. point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. but I've got a Scouse pair, uh, in-laws, uh, you know, been in the football community there's a lot of scouts and jordan's yeah, but scouts is one of those yeah. accents you just don't lose i think yeah and i would never i wouldn't lose this for the world you wouldn't want to I don't no think. no yeah. it has toned down a bit i think mm. maybe good let's talk about perth glory right we've got a couple of games coming up this weekend so we're going to emphasize perth glory in the a league right Robbie? because you know perth so Absolutely. Perth, perth glory women sitting top of the table very nicely mm-hmm. and playing well they yeah. are playing yeah, well. Amazing. They're getting people in the stadiums. Yeah. 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 Nice mix of local and international players in the squad. The dynamic looks pretty good. Yeah. Coach has got it all right this yeah. time. It's hope so, eh? Yeah. Well, what's what happens when you give a coach some time, right? Yeah. To build a squad mm. and then be, be able to make it or stamp his his style of play. Yeah. So, yeah. See, now you've got me, I'm going to you know digress in the conversation. <laughs> so... Um, the Matildas coach, right? Yeah. There's been a little bit of talk about him possibly going and getting the US mm. job, which has now been caught by Emma Hayes. Mm. And she has been there at Chelsea building that squad yeah, for yeah. 10 years, yeah, 14 years. I don't know what it yeah. is. Maybe Robbie can jump in there and help me with that. But she has built um, something where it's attracted the world's best players. Um, they've got an infrastructure there. They're getting packed stadiums. They've got everything they could mm. possibly want out of it. And, and, and she's like an Alex Ferguson. 100% she is. Yeah. 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 What do you reckon, Robbie? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, coaches just don't get enough time anymore. But also, I mean, there are so many examples of when a coach has failed somewhere, goes somewhere else and succeeds. A coach that stays a long time and has success and then goes through difficult periods and then can have success again. 
And I mean, it's I, I don't understand why people don't give coaches more time. So Emma Hayes has been at Chelsea since 2012. There you go. So 11, 11 years. And that's a that's a that's enough time. But I I often think in the men's game, look at Mikel Arteta, who uh, or you know Arsene Wenger, who had that success and then went through such a difficult period. But mm. but Arteta wouldn't last at so many other clubs around the world. And and then having stuck with him for so long, success comes. And uh, not yet, know, Robbie. It's, it's about <laughs> being in the right place. Well, not yet, but he's had more success. <laughs> In the in the in the you know in the last couple of years when yeah. you can start to see the process and everything and 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 what I mean it, it's so it's so hard to just bank on success I guess that's the real difference between the the elite 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 level and uh, and others that don't you know don't have that level but ultimately every coach can have success look at Claudio Ranieri Ranieri was known as I mean I think he'd won one Italian Cup with Roma back in like the late 80s or, or early 90s before what happened with Leicester. He brought Monaco up from the second division and then suddenly there was this Leicester moment and he hasn't won anything since again, but he was in that place at that time where everything yeah. everything, everything just clicked, clicked together. Mm, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I don't think you can't... Bringing in one coach is no guarantee that suddenly you're going to have success. No. I think you have a, a better chance of it if you say, "Look, this is for five years, six years, eleven years." Couldn't like agree more. Women have yeah, couldn't agree but more. You got to have a lot of money, right? You got a lot of money. The right culture at the club, right philosophy, right owners. Oh, yeah. There's so many factors. But I think culture and philosophy probably trump money. I genuinely, I, I really do. And I mean, you look at let's look at Tottenham, right? With with Ange, okay. Look at the difference he's made just coming in, and that's not that's not money that's changed anything there. That's culture and philosophy. Mm. Didn't have a good result last week, of course. But are you saying the club had the right culture philosophy, well, or no, he no, brought no. it? No, no, no. He's brought it with him, and it's yes. been his yeah. is his philosophies, his culture, and you know we can talk about you know him playing a high line against Chelsea right all day if you want to, but that's Ange, right? And that's just the way he is, and that's probably what's been driving that success at Tottenham this year so far. It, I think yeah, it, and it's also, but he's also a great fit for Tottenham in that mentality. Absolutely. Insofar as they're a side mm. that don't have this weight of expectation, mm. the, the the counter position is Manchester United, and it's not a question of money. There, I mm-hmm. mean, they've got they've yeah. got masses. They've spent masses. Chelsea, but really masses, poor, but really poor cultures. Yeah, at the moment they are. Anyway. I mean, yeah. they weren't. Mm. They weren't. At, I mean, Manchester United are almost built modern culture you know yeah. with 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 Fergie yeah, and that Ferguson. that culture they had in the late 90s when you know which was which was something that came through and was was built over created and you know over time and that's been slowly eroded away yeah, that culture. all, all i know is i've really of expectation. i've really enjoyed manchester united since fergie left <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the new manchester united the last few years but anyway so but you're right 100 percent. they did but there are that. examples of it all over the world look yeah. at ac milan who, who you know went went down and down italian football which was untouchable yeah. when when i was growing up has been on this downward spiral now occasionally you have a little moments where you know an ac milan or an atalanta or or juve can do something but overall and that's not to say the cultures changed there either it's just you know i mean world football has evolved so much and is evolving so quickly 
to look at Barcelona and you know go go up and down now, and they were a team yeah. that were immense with such a, a incredible culture for for the last fifteen twenty years. Real Madrid still have it with Ancelotti. I mean, it's you see it everywhere. Bayern Munich. I mean, it's uh, culture, but everyone has money is is another way of of saying it. All these big clubs, all these clubs. I mean. Penny said you have to have money. It's a combination of things. Everyone has money now. All these big clubs. It's how you have big clubs do. Have yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and everything's relative, but I mean, they have far more money than your average company, your average other thing that, that can also try it and would, build a culture. It would be interesting to see what would happen if all the money went out of the game and they'd have to go back to that culture and community yeah, and really developing like your local yeah. players. Who's got the infrastructures in place? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But that that also cost a lot of money. I mean, Manchester City's training ground, Tottenham's training ground, Chelsea's training ground. They've built these to to be in this position as well. But that adds to the, you know, that adds to, to they use that money wisely to help build that culture. But I always felt, I mean, in my time at PSG, people would say, you know, oh, this, yeah, you're buying success. You've got so much money. The footballers these days, they earn so much money, it's just not right, it's obscene, the amount of money, etc., etc., etc. It's not... It's Okay, yes, it's crazy money that they're, that they're earning, and that, you know, but it's not the footballer's fault. Mm. And you don't have to criticise a footballer for being offered a contract and saying, oh, look, you don't have to pay me that much. Oh, no, please, that's, <laughs> that's crazy money. I'll, say, I'll play for just 10% of that. But they would, is the other thing, if the... If the, if the economy around football was the way it was you know even in the the 80s when it was changing when mm. there was already good money to be earned you know someone like Di Maria who I who I you know worked with for a few years at PSG he was never going to do anything else other than play football whether you paid him 30,000 or 30 million yeah. it's all it's all he it's all he did Lionel Messi was only going to play football well, that's how they get to where, where they are as well, isn't it? Because that's they live football, they live and breathe exactly. football, and exactly. they would do but it for it's free. Not about the money. But yeah. I hear your yeah. point. It isn't about the money. That the, the, what they earn, it, they just happen to earn, whether it was a small amount or, a, or an obscene amount. Yeah, and I think sometimes the money maybe diminishes the love of the game because you see it all the time with young yeah. ones. They get a big contract, next minute they're buying a fancy car, and it just seems like they go a bit flat, yeah. you know? And yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a funny game. As know. Greaves used to say, it's a funny old game. I look at the style of football and the huge differential between male and female football and there's you know people will make comments if they haven't seen women's football before but they've watched the Matildas or they've watched uh, a professional women's game in the last 12 months compared to men's football, the differential, the pace of the game, um, the... You know, the antics, <laughs> um, the the refereeing and so forth. There's some real differentials there. Mm. And I, I think not everybody likes watching both. I know people that are you know, diehard, they'll watch one or the other, but a few have been brought over during the Matildas and Socceroos campaigns because of the massive media exposure and it's just in our faces, I, which I, is great. I think that last World Cup, the Women's World Cup, brought a, like men were going to the game and thinking, oh, yeah. But then when they see in the yep, actual games, they're like, wow, this is pretty... Yep. This is better than the Flemish men's. These, but, you know. Uh, my point being, I hope that money doesn't influence it, yeah, so that some of those things, like the antics in the men's game, yeah. um, on on the park, in the remonstrating referee, those kind of. I hope that doesn't happen in well, the women's side of the game because money might be. I think something. it does, and this is this, so. We talk about things like VAR, right? The only reason we have VAR is because of the money in the game. 
Mm-hmm. Right, and VAR yep. is a massive because talking they, point the at the moment because it's out because the outcomes need to be impeccable. Yeah, they're not. They're still yeah, not they're even still with not VAR, it, right? VAR, right? But it's because of money in the game, and because there's so much hinging on it, whether it's gambling markets, whether it's actual you know yeah. club finances and and that sort of thing. Is there's the reason we got VAR, and is we yeah, that's the challenge we have now. Is about is, is is and that's where it's changed the game in that it respect. It just makes you think Aldi can get it wrong sometimes in these VAR decisions, like the Arsenal game. <laughs> you know, the most recent one. Yeah. So, so do you not have the VAR and just allow humans to make? Mistakes? I think it's allow yeah. humans to make mistakes, yeah. and it's a, it's a critical component of a game where you, you know what it swings and roundabouts. Okay. One week it comes your way, yeah. the a other way it doesn't. Score an own Goal. That's Actually, a mistake, right? Correct. Or it could be an accident. That's yeah. a part of the game. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. And a referee making an error, no matter how bad or how close line ball it is, is part of the game. We're not robots. No, um, yeah, exactly. Well, we had. I I was commentating the A League men's match last night, um, and between Melbourne Victory and Wellington Phoenix, and that would have been probably you know mid afternoon, late morning for you guys. It was evening here, <laughs> and um, and that had. Two penalty awards from the referee overturned, one for each team, and two other penalty appeals from players where the referee just waved it away and VAR had a look and said, not enough evidence to overturn or we'll go with the referee's thing. But we had stoppages probably over all of that for eight or nine minutes. And in the end, it was, I mean, probably, you know, the correct decisions were made. Um, I think in terms of overturning the two penalties, mm. but it would have been a penalty apiece. There would a penalty apiece overturned as well. So at the end of the day, it would have all evened itself out anyway. Mm. And you would have Sound, sounds to me like the football or, gods had it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You'd have fans that are you know go back and talk about it the day we were robbed at Amy Park against mm. Phoenix. <laughs> Remember the Red Bull? Glory fans are still talking about Berisha falling over in the box. <laughs> So, Everton if fans only still, we had VAR then. Everton fans still talk about uh, the Clive Thomas decision in the, I think it was in the seventies. <laughs> Brian Hamilton had a goal disallowed, and we would have won the derby. I yeah. think it was an FA Cup game, and Clive Thomas disallowed. He said no, and he he couldn't give an answer what he disallowed it for. You know, oh, so. wow. Yeah. Well, the Germans are still talking about 66. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, I mean, make no mistake. That's right, right. No, it's only yeah. England that aren't talking about 66. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. Oh, Maradona, there's another one, eh? Jeez. Yeah. So this is the, but, I'm, but hold on. So these are great moments in our game, okay, that were from, let's be honest, referee howlers, like yeah. most of those that we've just mentioned, yeah. all were referee howlers. And there are... We look at them probably fondly now. Let's be honest. Good topic of conversation. Well, 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 the hand of God. Come on, I mean, hand of God's one. Let's be honest. That's that's become an epic thing. So I I think giving that that little bit of honesty back, bit of human intervention Mm. only, and let's forget this VAR nonsense. Yeah. 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 I'm actually with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the stoppages... Um, when there's time wasting and the add-ons, yeah. I, I quite like that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And goal line technology as well is another one. Goal, goal line technology worked day one, and it's been amazing at that end of the game. Yep. Right, so goal line technology could, we can keep that. Yeah, but VAR is so horrible. Yeah, it really is. It's a tough one. It's horrible yeah. when it goes against you. Pretty good when it. You get it, though. Yeah, but you, is it? How yeah, do you find it as a match commentator, Robbie? You've got to have uh, lots of notes so you can keep on talking yeah, through all yeah. these uh, you know, <laughs> pauses and stops. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, but it's all it's all part of the drama. I mean, I think there's lots of drama when you're when you're when you're commentating a game when it's stopped and you know you've got everyone waiting to take a penalty or whatever. I don't know for a, the scousers amongst among us and and listening. There was a great example just um, yesterday morning with the game against Toulouse, where I think there were goals just two goals disallowed for Toulouse, but Liverpool um, probably should have equalised in the last minute of the game and. When the goal was ruled out, um, so Toulouse beat Liverpool 3-2, which is the biggest win ever in the history of Toulouse um, in, in European football. But the crowd, when they thought they'd lost this historic win, when the, they were all waiting, the silence in the stadium, and then the VAR decision overturns the goal, and the place just erupted as though mm. it was probably the biggest cheer of the night, as though they'd scored a fourth goal. You so know, that's the to, tension to, and the drama, the and that's where it probably does work. Yeah. 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 So just going back to Perth Glory, there is another Perth Glory team. But Sorry, we segued a big a bit then, didn't <laughs> we? Did like, we? And <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in the A-League men's competition, Perth Glory are not doing so great, sitting sixth on the table, and they are playing Western Sydney Wanderers. Is that tomorrow or today? Today? That's today, in a couple of hours' okay. time. Five o'clock here, 5.30 Eastern time. Yep, and uh, we should clarify that Perth Glory women are playing Adelaide at Macedonia Park tonight, 7 o'clock kickoff. That's Western Standard Time. We will have some tickets to give yep. away to that. Um, in fact, uh, we do have pairs of tickets to give away. And thanks to Paramount and uh, Perth Glory, we do appreciate the tickets that we get to give away. Um, the giveaway is going to be if you have a little story to tell about... Um, this is not about Perth glory, but uh, someone who you think has um, had an amazing rise to glory over their life um, from when they were younger to when they were an adult. They maybe didn't have any involvement in football and then ended up being a, a national team player or a, a coach at a high level. If you have a story like that and you want to um, win the pair of tickets, just uh, keep your eye out on the World Football Program Facebook page for the next five or ten minutes and something will appear to win some tickets to the A-League women's match tonight. All right, back to our conversation. Um, so, um, Glory is going great guns, and I will appreciate that Perth Glory are like equally promoting the men's and the women's across all their social media platforms. That's fantastic, um, and it's engaging for all the fans out there too. I, I'm loving the work they're doing there. We've got our new owners and our new coach, and everything seems to be going okay in terms of. We got to the base level. Now we have to, you know. Yeah, and there's there's definitely a foundation to build on. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done for the Glory brand in yeah, general. Yeah. I think, to be yeah. honest, but look, I think we've got some really, really good, strong foundations in the new owners and with Stage as well, yeah. in particular for the men's side. But I think, look, to be honest, the the work that Alex has done with the women and the women's team. Um, that's probably going to be the most solid foundation for yeah. the Glory brand going forward at the moment. Well, women's football in general and NSL, mm. you may as well, if you can. Well, the, I, I mean, I know the, the crowds have been good in Perth for the women in Brisbane as well, where they've also got a strong sort of Matilda's culture in, in Brisbane as well. But after the last week and the three matches of the, the Matildas, which were fantastic to, to be a part of and to be there in the stadiums, which we were lucky enough to be in, and soak up that atmosphere. But is that starting to to wear off a little bit on the on the the, the Perth Glory girls 
as well. Like, no, we no not at all. Another good no. crowd tonight. Yeah, no, I yes. think we will see another big crowd tonight. Yeah. I think it's an, the thing is, it's ideal, right? It's a 7 p.m. Saturday night kickoff, which mm. I think is the premium time for football. And I don't see any momentum dying down. I think, I think the yeah. the momentum that was built over that Matilda's um, festival period um, would definitely continue. Yeah, because uh, like that festival of football. Um, football Futures, we had our big inflatable out and all the kids were coming and playing and I'd say 90% were girls and it was just, it was amazing. Mm. And, you know, they were coming on, they were getting into it, all the mums were with them. It's Signing just... autographs. And it's funny you talk about that Matilda's culture because that's what I think is driving it. And yep. I know that from the parents of girls in particular that I speak to, they want to go and watch these girls mm. play now. They yeah. want to watch, they want to see where they came from. So well, Some of the glory girls came and jumped in um, the inflatable and were having a kick with all the little girls. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Aquino specifically, you know, yeah. who's um, the goalkeeper, who's a great goalie. Mm. So. You're talking about Morgan Aquino? Yeah. 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 What, I, what I really noticed, Robbie, I've got to laugh about this because I think I did this with Michael Jackson when I was a kid, is this euphoria around supporting women's football. Some of the girls are mm. like, it's like Beatlemania, so that oh, term yeah, Beatlemania. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. At, at the, the uh, Perth Oval, we had our Olympic qualifiers and there was kids there just going, come on, stop yeah. my like, I see it with my niece. Like my I'm niece like, is obsessed. Holy cow. And she's yeah. obsessed with all of the Matildas. Like, she knows yeah. them all by name. Yeah, my yeah. wife is. Yeah, like, well, like, went well, my, my wife, who wasn't interested in football at all prior to any prior to the World Cup, yeah, yeah. she now is engaged as well. So I see it with my wife too. I think I mentioned that earlier in the show as well. But yeah, there is definitely a is, Matilda's mania. I mean, we have. I I really think. I mean, I'm a massively into the the women's football bandwagon as well. Because I mean, I'm lucky enough to to be able to watch the games and commentate the games, and it's a a privileged position. But but this this feeling around it and it comes back to the idea of you know the 64 million dollar question about why doesn't the a-league attract these sorts of crowds and everything and perhaps you know perhaps the women's game and in particular the matildas because it's all about identity isn't it you guys are saying the same thing there are so many people that weren't into it and they 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 watched the the women's world cup watching the women's world cup i mean it's amazing when you host it in this country and you see the fervor and it was it was it was a life-changing month. I think we'll see that in years to come, that this was a pivotal moment in the development of, of not just women's football, but women's sport and professional sport for women all over the country because it's opened... It's not only opened doors and opened funding and opened this, it's opened minds yeah. of people that are seeing, my God, this is possible. And I think the, the amount of room for improvement in the women's game now is just exponential. And this, and with it will come dangers. Like you talked, Penny, earlier about, you know, the women's game compared to the men's game, and we don't want to see certain things from, you know, a toxic professionalism of the men's game become part of the women's game. The the women's game is advancing very, very quickly. And it's, I mean, when you when you talk about the women's World Cup or the Matildas playing, and people go along and see and say, oh yeah, women's football. Let's see what it's like. Compared to four years ago, the World Cup in France, the quality, the discipline, the mm. fitness, the the tactics, the evolution is is breathtaking, and that's going to continue. So, if women's sport can take all the best things and medical, technical, all these elements of the men's game, or not doesn't have non-gender game of the professional game, and use it, mm. 
that is the way forward then if they can avoid all the you know super super superstar status and the money oh, yeah. that corrupts and yeah. all of that and transfers and and you know corruption and everything that comes with it and you know uh, you've got to say it if we can avoid having certain elements in the crowds and i'm thinking more of european football um where you, you, you summed it up. You summed it up in three time. words: is that toxic professional culture, and that transcends everything. That's from exactly. It's from the spectators right the way through to Absolutely. the governance and everything. Like it's honestly, that's where all the corruption comes from. Yeah. It's everything that we hate about. Let's be honest: the men's game at oh, the yeah, elite level, yeah. English Premier League <laughs> right? specifically. It's yeah. all of this toxic professional culture. And I think that's the best way to sum it up. And the more we, the more we detract from that, and you know, yeah. it, it, the better the better the can, game will be. Yeah. And if we can, this will be the greatest feel-good revolution of you know of sport in in my lifetime for sure. But for you know, moving forward, if we can maintain this this is what sport's all about having role models having thrills having entertainment having competition it's all the it's all the positives and it doesn't have to have all the all the negatives that come with it and with that then will come investors will will get behind this medical will get behind this but you know we talk about there's been no I mean, there's huge debates in the medical world about all the the trials and everything are generally only done on male patients for all sorts of mm. medicine, but certainly in terms of sports science. I've seen one recently on a, um, a big problem could be ACLs uh, becoming a big issue yeah, with exactly. women in yeah. women's sports. Yeah. Which but is, imagine um, a shoe manufacturer that suddenly finds a, comes out with something or a knee brace or, you know, other ways of training. The mm. money to be made by, by off, offering this to half the population and saying, sorry, you've had to be wearing the wrong shoes for all your professional career. Now this one will help you avoid ACL injuries, will yeah. help you avoid, think... you know, Achilles, all this. There's money to be made as well as, you know, everyone enjoying great sport. Also for me as well, it's because, you know, the women's game, so hopefully the next stage will be going into more like the disability side of the game and really trying to develop that side, you know, because, like, that's the space yeah, I'm absolutely. in. And I know, like, the, you know, the clubs in the UK, like, they have, you know, they're, really sort of big on community and sort of inclusion sports so hopefully that can continue over here well i went i went to the pararoos world cup which was in sydney um last month and they were just incredible i spent a day emceeing on the side of the pitch just because they you know it was all volunteer and and it's just incredible the it's it's so remarkable and a couple of kids came down that play for western sydney and they weren't in the, the national team but they come down and watch, and it, that, that, again, is football. Other sports don't, they do. They can provide role models for all of society, but football does it to such a different level. And we right see the, the, I was watching the Paramatildas last night, just mm. before our game, and they won the Asian Cup against yeah. Japan. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, the, when you see the goal score, you just almost start crying yeah. With, yeah. with joy. It is so moving. It's and this is what way. football does. And this is, you're right to say that. It's on another level where if we if we can bring that along with us you know i'm not saying football can save the world we all know it can and <laughs> this is now the way it can bring us together and but, it it does, but, it, but, it, but, but it does bring us together right i mean yeah, so because i can so there is think of all the different nationalities getting one stadium and support 100 well look the final today the pararoos australia yeah, iran exactly. so you know normally in a in a you know they may be sort of 
Well, let's be honest. Like it's controversial politically, controversial, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But they played a game of football, yeah. and yeah. it was perfectly. Fine. And all the fans, and especially the, like when the women's played Iran, yeah. and all the ladies and the Iranians were in the crowd, and everyone, there's no trouble. Everyone's just yeah. enjoying the game. So, but yeah. it's that inclusive nature that football can be, and it, and it doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, football is what it is. It's two it, well, four jumpers, right? Two jumpers at either end. Mm. And something round to kick, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. an unlimited number of players, whether that's two players or 27, oh, doesn't matter, yeah, yeah. right? Now, you now, guys, before we let Robbie go, because we are just running out of time, but I did <laughs> want to talk about the Socceroos. Yeah. Um, they are playing in yeah. their um, World Cup qualifiers coming up. So the next game is Thursday the 16th of November, Australia versus Bangladesh. And then we're playing Palestine on the 21st of November. So the squad's just been announced. Any thoughts on that? Guys, the um, squad? Yeah, for me, well, I'm going to be in Melbourne to commentate the first game nice. against Bangladesh. Simon has the, the, the second leg, which looks like it's going to be played in Kuwait um, against uh, Palestine. So that's a, that's a big one as well. I mean, on, a, on the football pitch, maybe Palestine, you know, we can imagine, given the current situation, they're going to play out of their skin and are going to really be, be, be looking to... To, to, to get a result at all costs and, and that will be probably a tougher match but the Socceroos should beat Bangladesh um, should do it handsomely really mm. um, on Thursday <laughs> and so I think it's a chance for Arnie to, to try out I mean you can't, you can't make wholesale changes but certainly um, I like the fact that Cassini Yengi has been brought in he's, he's over in Portsmouth these days the former Adelaide um, striker and I think he was at Western Sydney as well in the last season before he headed over to England but Sammy Silvera we've got a lot of different attacking options that have come in and also it looks like there are changes in the goalkeeping ranks as well Joe Gauci's been recalled having missed the last one and there's a, a young keeper who's playing for Charlton Athletic um, Maynard Brewer who's also been called up for the first time as well so maybe Arnie's thinking okay we can we can use this window to not make wholesale changes but have a have a look around at some of the other players we saw the boy from from Perth Soccer Club um, Alessandro Chircati oh, yep. no, Cam Burgess is there as well I think he's Jundalup isn't he uh, Cam can. Burgess is yes yeah. yeah so but great to see them them called up but you know maybe Sakati or Chircati um, however potato potato I'm looking I'm looking at the no, I'm not going to Maybe go there. Not going to go there. <laughs> no, okay. I just wonder how far is uh, Josh Rollins off the the first team? Because I know he was doing well in the younger sort of. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a very good question. He's, he's playing in the. He's moved. Uh, he's over. Pitch. Yeah, he's over in the Netherlands. Is he in the Olly Roos squad that was just? Announced? He was the captain. He was the captain, I think, yeah. of one of the teams. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's a he's a fantastic young player. Let's hope that he, you know, continuing on. On his way as well. I'm just looking, trying to find through my emails if you've got the time. Yep, do to it. See. I saw the latest Oli Roo squad, which is coming out in... Uh, it's got two games coming up in the next couple of weeks, I think, against Qatar and Saudi Arabia. And so, Oli Roo... Uh, while while you're doing that, I'll just mention that the Matildas yep. are playing matches over in Canada uh, next yes. month. And they sold out in like, I don't know, eight minutes or something. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sold out in eight minutes. Yeah, this is crazy. What? Well, I can't even anticipate that in my head. Yeah, so. that's, and that's the games are in that's Canada. In Canada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I 
Does that mean there's like a whole lot of Aussies flying from everywhere to watch that? Well, so it's just mania that, over there. Is that what they think it is? It's still Matilda's mania, or is it surely it's? No, I think there's probably Canada have their own sort of mania so, in the US. Cause well, the US but, but Canadian women's football hasn't been doing too well. That's why I'm just thinking. Like it's, they've uh, had a few challenges. Uh, yes, they have. But football yeah. in Canada in North America is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, like CP football, to be honest. Um, like the cerebral palsy, that's massive in America. Like each college has a CP football team, so because they've got their um, like we've got the Asian that Cup is here. Incredible. Mm. Well, maybe not every college, but you know, a, a, enough to have a league anyway. Yeah, okay. Right, the system there is very different to here. Yeah, isn't it, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, it is. They've got a they've got a good good system for their college sport. There's no Josh Rawlins in the Ollie Roos squad oh. mm. um, for the next weeks. There are a couple that are playing over over in Europe that have been called up. But I'm wondering, Josh is even younger than all that It's still, isn't he? Yeah, he's been How old is he 18, now? maybe. Yeah, 19. so this is up to t- under 23s. So he's still got yeah. he's still got time. Yes, he has. Yeah. Uh, Robbie, we are going to have to leave it there. We've got uh, more football to chat with more guests. Thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate Absolute it. Absolute pleasure, as always. Yep. Have a, Anytime. Have a great weekend, Robbie. Thank you. Will do. See you, Robbie. You See you, Robbie. See you, guys. I mean, see Robbie, I should say. That was Robbie Thompson, who's match commentator for Paramount and is doing one of the Socceroos matches. Bangladesh, I think he said. Good one. He did, yeah. yeah. We are going to go to a quick break and come back and chat more football, of course. Next guest up is Don Sutherland from the financial institution FSAA. I'm kidding. That was just a right. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. It's chanting, waving a flag. Always there, always passionate. Jumping up and down, going absolutely animal. And continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our banners and this and that. The feeling when Glory score is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. Something everyone just jumps up and down. An eruption of cheering, yelling and flag waves. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing, it's an amazing situation.
live and exclusive on 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to the World Football Program, 107.9 FM. Here with a big thanks to Futsal WA, Gate and Fence Hardware WA and Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron and all of the listeners that are members of this station that help keep us on air. Thank you very much to everybody and let's not forget the contributors on the page. We really do appreciate anyone who posts good, positive football stuff and shares your news. We've got Don Sutherland, the chair of FS. Double A, and I'm probably going to get that wrong a million times. I just it doesn't articulate in my head. That's probably right. Don, 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 Don will get it right. I'll have a crack at it anyway. <laughs> Do yeah, officially, Football Supporters Association Australia. There we go. So FSAA, that, that it works. Yeah, I've had a couple of people give Sorry. it give a crack like it's a financial institution because when you bring it up on Google, it comes up with a couple of financial institutions. I'm like, what? Does Perth Glory need some help or something? No, we're all Yeah, good. well, I think I saw food services as well. So we were apparently we were going to improve the halftime uh, food uh, <laughs> catering. Uh, contributions. Catering, correct, yeah. yeah. But no, 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 nothing is glamorous. Just football supporters, that's all we are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. P- football supporters are pretty glamorous beasts. Oh, my tongue was heavily in my cheek, Penny, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. What's on the agenda for the FSAA um, in this coming season? Well, it doesn't really sort of stop. Uh, we've, we've blurred from um, where we were last year and, and obviously now we're back into uh, um, the, the A-Leagues, men's and women's. But, you know, if you look back over the last few months, we've had everything from Women's World Cup to Australia uh, making its debut at, at uh, Wembley against England, uh, the recovery and then the winning of, of the Soccer Ashes uh, against New Zealand. Asian Champions League, up and running, World Cup qualifiers. You've, you've lived firsthand the successes of the Matildas and the Olympic qualifiers in uh, in Perth, and, and now we're, we're back in with both uh, men's and women's A-League. So it doesn't really stop um, to, to be able to identify when one season finished and the other one started uh, is a bit of a blur for us at the moment. So, uh, yeah, it's all go lots of activity, lots of action, um, and, and a growing number of members, so it's terrific. Yeah, what what does that mean exactly? Where where do you put your mitts in and have your 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 reach that makes an effective change for football? Yeah, well, uh, as I think I've said on a number of occasions, what we want to be is, is an, an association that leads, unites, and advocates for football supporters uh, across Australia, and that's the entire pyramid. So, obviously, what gets the lion's share of the attention are things like the national teams, but specifically the the A leagues, uh, men and women's. It's, it's all the way down to the grassroots. It's the mums and dads and the carers that are driving John and Sally to training on Tuesdays and, and Thursdays and paying exorbitant fees, etc. Um, so our challenge is to listen to as many opinions that we can garner from the, the football supporters and most specifically from our members. And then we work with all sorts of, of bodies, all of which are very familiar to you, from the, the APL, from Football Australia... Uh, we've built good relationships with the um, the PFA and, and also with Football Coaches Australia. So, you know, they play a, an important role in, in facilitating and administering our game. Without coaches, we haven't got teams. Without teams, we don't have the game. So the the reach, the, the fingers into the pies um, are, are broad and varied and it's it's trying to make sense of the common issues and to identify which stakeholders can make what changes over what period of time. That's the, the broad sweeping... Uh, goals of of the association. Excellent, and we know that the um, <coughs> the challenge that was where we were going to have our A League finals has been changed. Um, yeah. What was the influence of the FSAA there? Um, it, it's 
It's hard to say, Penny. In, in all honesty, I could wave the flag, you know, from the rooftops and say that we played a significant role. I know we played a repeated role. I know we were in in frequent contact with Danny Townsend. Uh, Danny joined us on two of our um, association meetings to to give us an update on where things were at. But you know, there were plenty of other people that had an opinion on this. Um, and I know it went through the New South Wales Premier, it went through the Minister of Sport, and it obviously went through uh, Destination New South Wales. And at the end of the day, I think this is the, the resolution that everybody wanted. And as, as uh, mentioned when we spoke last time on your show, you know, the FSAA pretty much was, uh, I won't say it was born from the ashes of the decision to take the grand finals to Sydney, but it certainly was what instigated um, forming it. It had been bubbling along in the background for a while, but that became the, the sort of pillar moment when we needed to stand up and, and try and have a voice and, and try and represent football supporters in, in decisions like this. So um, it's a pretty quick turnaround. You know, the early discussion was that it would it would see out its three years and then there'd be a, a sort of review of what it might look like afterwards. But I think the, the beauty of this is that football supporters were heard, whether they were heard through the FSAA, whether they were heard through the the, uh, the FRGs, the, the football fan representative groups at club level, whether it was just, you know, campaigning through media, etc. But um, as much as the APL, uh, and they were the sort of flag bearers of this, but as much as they were slammed for it, I think there has to be a degree of, um, you know, applauding uh, in that they've uh, they've listened and they've, they've made a pretty swift change. So, yeah. Uh, you know, onwards and upwards from here. Let's, yeah. let's find out what the next issues are. And, and I think there were some very strong opinions around that decision as well that were, I guess, a, it's a more sensible um, solution for what we've got now. It's something that I'd be interested in going, whereas I probably wouldn't have gone to a Sydney versus Melbourne A-League grand final, but I'm more likely sure. to go to Sydney to watch the glory play, men and women hopefully, on the same weekend, um, yep. in Sydney mid-season. I'm far more likely to attend that event than I would be a an A-League grand final. Yeah. And yeah, I think agreed, it, Phil. Yeah. I, I think it's a practical outcome and it's all gone very quiet after it. Hasn't so, it? Yeah. I mean, clearly no news is good news. I think so. Yeah. No, I think genuinely yeah. like, uh, the right decision's been made, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, all, all that... Um, activity and reaching and connecting that um, the FSAA and related organisations have done has done the trick, so well done. Yeah, thank you. And really, it's thank you to all football supporters for having a voice. For whichever forum and whichever manner they raised it, you know, people didn't sit on their hands and just take this um, as, uh, you know, here it, comes, here it comes again sort of thing. They, they were pretty passionate about it and they spoke up. And um, credit to, the, to all the, uh, the stakeholders that listened and, and made the change. And so, Don, doing so, it in the right manner as well is the important factor because mm-hmm. we can protest and stamp our feet and do whatever it is that we want to do in re- respect to decisions that are made in the game. But actually doing or, 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 or hear, having our voices heard in the right manner is the way to get things sorted. And it's something sure, in football yeah. that we don't often do quite well. We normally, you know... We'll, we'll jump around, we'll, we'll make a little noise, but we won't actually take practical steps to solving s- solutions and it's, it's something that um, we need to do more often. Yeah. Well, I, I know I can speak on behalf of the association in terms of the, the passion within the, the committee. There's 11 of us spread across five different states of Australia. Um, the, the stupid banter that goes on between which club's doing better than someone else's club, you know, is just alive and well within the association as it is if you head down the pub and you chat with 
with the guys and girls down there about you know their their favourite club. But the thing that bonds us together is an absolute passion for the game and a desire to see it uh, led and administered in a manner that, that maximises all of the fun Absolutely. and enjoyment that we get on the weekend uh, yeah. you know, as players and as fans. You know? So, um, yeah, it's terrific that, that we've been heard um, yeah. and across the board. Talking about next steps, I'm, I'm really attached to something that you mentioned um, before about your grassroots involvement and particularly exorbitant fees that are being paid by parents. So that's, I'll be very, very interested to contribute to that space. Because um, I, 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 that, it? well, it sure, it sure is, but um, it's, I think it's a, it's an important uh, topic, of topic of conversation that we need to understand. Yeah. We need to know why those fees exist and be honest about it and talk about the circumstances because it's not just what people think. Um, there are a lot of factors involved in in why clubs charge the fees that they do. Um, so I'll be very, very interested in that space, um, what, what you're looking yeah. at. Yeah, and I think um, you've also got the disparity between states uh, and, and um, uh, jurisdictions within states, that um, there's a number of different factors that contribute to why it costs as much as it does to play the game that we all love. Mm. And you compare it to... You know, it's easy to do the AFL-NRL comparison because they're you know, two significantly bigger codes uh, in Australia. Heavily um, subsidised codes, yes. Significantly subsidised. Yeah. So, you know, I can't speak necessarily for the, the CBA that's only just, uh, you know, the ink is just drying on that from last week. But mm. there's a pretty broad um, uh, approach to try to filter down to grassroots. And somewhere in the mix of, of that um, bargaining agreement between Football Australia and and the PFA, I certainly hope that that opportunity to subsidise um, grassroots level is, is going to be critical um, because it, it's, a, it's a long way to dig yourself out of a hole unless you've got that sort of help. Um, yeah, you well, need to bleat about how it doesn't stand up against others, but um, somebody's mm-hmm. got to be able to have a deep pocket and put their hands into it. Correct, and I don't think a lot of people understand our top-down funding model um, opposed to our bottom-up funding model and the differences the, or the, I guess the impacts that that has on grassroots level and the community clubs and that sort of thing. Are you saying that because the model <clears throat> has potential to change or just be different or get better? Or? Well, it absolutely improves. So we're talking about we don't get... So, for example, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no funding that comes from the A-Legs um, or from the Socceroos, right, that comes in and supports grassroots football. It's all the other way. So the funding comes from grassroots football and funds the A-Leagues and Socceroos. That's pretty much how it works in the clubs. Correct. But but that's what I'm saying. So flipping it on its head so that we have funding coming down from FA, Socceroos, A-Leagues, A-League clubs down into community clubs would be a game changer. I would like to know if other national sports like hockey who, who travel yeah. internationally and, and their base is here in West Australia mm-hmm. um, and they are an Olympic status sport, they're very high successful. Do they have the same model as so, us? So hockey is an interesting one because hockey has a high cost as well. So it probably is a bottom-up funded sport, not not heavily subsidised by its various governing bodies. And very, I mean, where's the, where's the National Hockey League? Do you know what I mean? You only hear of the hockey ruse when the Olympics are on, for example. Um, mm. So it's one of those sports. I think there is a high cost to participate at grassroots level. Don, do you have some 
action plans to kind of you know, work into that space like Phil was suggesting and maybe generate some discussion and look at, you know, ways that maybe that could change potentially over time? Um, broadly, yes, yeah, um, because it's really understanding uh, that, that bottom-up or top-down model a little clearer. But um, our discussions with Football Australia will embrace uh, that as, a, as a, a total collective opportunity because I think it, it, it's come up many years before the FSAA uh, was, was formed and if, if nothing is done about it, it's going to come up again in 5, 10, 15 years. It's yeah. going to be the, the central cause that, that makes it difficult you know, to not maybe just start but to, to sustain playing year after year when you've got cousins and nephews and nieces who are all playing a different code and, and paying significantly less for it. So it, it's clearly an issue that needs to be addressed Um I'm glad that the CBA has taken place now, which is obviously a, a major initiative uh, uh, unfolding between the FA and the PFA. And um, our opportunity is to now become involved in such a manner that we can uh, we can take a deeper dive into can, the whole grassroots funding I, area. Can I just say, too, there's a lot of abbreviations that you're chucking into that conversation. Yeah. Just for oh, our, sorry. <laughs> just for our listeners the out there. The Professional Footballers Association. <laughs> and, yeah. and collective yeah. bargaining uh, yeah. agreements, so CBA. So yeah, that, that's I'm ba- sorry. Yeah. Basically that there's been undertakings for um, wages to be... Um, Equalised? Uh, what's what's the word? The correct word oh, between the men and the women, and st- get to where it should be standardised. I think and having minimum expectations and, and also, contractual obligations that must be met. Yeah, but yeah. also uh, more parity yeah. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So just uh, helping to give more of a wage for for, and I'm talking about the women's space. Is that those players that play two rounds in a competition, it's generally a summer competition, it's quite short compared mm. to men's competition, but mm-hmm. they have to give up their whole life to travel yeah. and train and whatever and yeah. just making that more manageable. 100%. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. Another interesting thing with the PFA, right, and the PFA's been, correct me if I'm wrong, Don, mate, you might not know, I don't know, but their focus has been on professional players making a career out of football, um, playing in the A-Leagues, for example, but there's a there's thousands of professional players registered in Australia that are competing in what we would coin semi-professional competitions but being paid professional wages um, in state or MPL competitions. Mm. What, are you, what are your thoughts on that or any comments around that? Well, I think the, um, and I may be wrong with this, but I think the PFA network extends to Australians playing overseas as well. So it's not yeah. just those that are playing. Sorry, it does, you're right, short. correct, yeah. Yeah, um, so it's a it's a pretty broad spectrum, right, from uh, um, people who are in, in some form sort of being uh, on an amateur basis to those that have made a career out of it and are on, on some sort of lucrative salary. Mm. How they break that down, Phil, I'm, I'm not close enough to that at this stage to know, but um, you know, I, I think the fact that there are so many players who may not have been able to have that opportunity to play at the highest level um, in Australia and overseas are now in a position where they you know that opportunity is far stronger and uh, we're talking at the moment about probably an unprecedented number of, of young footballers that are heading overseas and you only have to look at the WSL um, in England to see how many Australians are playing at that top level and the number of young um, men that have, have gone across to Europe in the last let's say 12 18 months um, to have the backing of the of the PFA I, I'd be pretty sure I say this without fact but it would be less easy for them to have made that transition without their level of support. And, um, you know, they, they need to be given the appropriate level of credit uh, for, for being able to do that. I, I have a question. The 
response from the Australian community has been absolutely incredible over the last couple of years to the Socceroos and Matildas collectively. Mm. Um, how has that impacted on what the FSAA um, will be, what they can bring to the table when they um, have discussions and reach out uh, to the various stakeholders? Yeah, I'm not sure, Penny. It, it's a, it's an issue that um, when you think of the supporters that go along to the Socceroos and Matildas games, so in support of our, our two national teams, um, I don't know that there is a direct correlation between those people and those who then head to the A-League games at the at the weekend. Um, but we want there to the, be a correlation, don't we? We want my the, word, we do. That yeah, yeah. Fan to um, become uh, the, the local fan. Yep, you know, it's not a term I use uh, um, uh, often and not one I'm necessarily married to, but there's the, the a reference to the Euro snob, the people that love their games in Europe and they yes. are, are dyed-in-the-wool passionate fans of the professional game overseas, but they look at our local game and they decide that that's not for them. And, they, you know, whether whether a local game is, is something that is real, that you can go to, you can stand on the terraces or you can sit in the seats and you can cheer your team wearing your club colours and your merchandise, and feel like you're participating, or whether your choice is to get up at silly hour in the middle of the night and, and watch your beloved team the other side of the world. I've never understood why you can't do both. Correct. Um, and that's, that's my, you know, yeah. they're not, um, what's the word, universally separate, right? You, you love football. You love your national teams. You've probably got a team somewhere in Europe or South America or somewhere else around the world that you love. And, and I don't understand why you don't love your local team. So... I've gone on record before that when the A-League started, whatever it is now, 19 years ago, you know, I sort of saw that as a chance to say... And they, they talked about, you may remember, um, old soccer and new football was the slogan That's right. in its first year. Yeah. And a lot of people weren't happy that, if I use that expression, that old soccer was disappearing. You know, it was a sort of ethnic cleansing and it was being pushed away and, it, and we had to build these new plastic clubs. Well, nearly, nearly two decades on... Um, some of those clubs have gone. Um, you know, some of the the, um, the old soccer clubs have have changed uh, immensely too. But I'd love to see them all back together again. Um, you know, or, or not again. I'd love to see them back together. I'd love to see the, na- the national second tier um, fall into place. I'd love to see promotion and relegation. And I wonder whether you would then get the people that have followed the, the Socceroos or the Matildas that have got their their European clubs, whether they'd get a heightened level of interest in in the true consequence of um, overperformance in terms of promotion and underperformance in terms of, heaven forbid, relegation. Um, I, think I think it puts a whole new edge to it. It can't come soon enough. And from a, from a Perth glory perspective, right, our, our rivals are and have always been South Melbourne and Melbourne Knights, right? Mm. And there's no one in the A-League that comes even close. So to have or the ability to play South Melbourne or Melbourne Knights in a competitive match again, I think would that's about bringing old football for Perth glory back, right? But for me, I'd be there 100%. Yep. And yeah. I've been kind of, you know, not overly all over the glory for the last few years, but I can guarantee you for a South Melbourne or Melbourne Knights game, I'd be there painted up 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see photos of that, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. No, no, well, I would be because yeah. that's, that's what I, I mean, and this is when we're talking back in 96, 97, this right? It's part of our multicultural society in Australia, exactly. right? This is, exactly. We're all together in it. 100%. Mm. And so I, I tend to agree with that old soccer, new football um, being a little bit off 
right? And I, I do get it. I do get it completely. Um, but I think we're making some really good inroads into, into solving that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It can't come soon enough. I, I see the announcement has been pushed back or the, uh, the introduction has been pushed back by another um, 12 months. Yeah. And whilst I would love to have seen that happen, if the due diligence suggests that it's going to be a more it needs uh, robust to be done right model. as well. Yeah. 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 And then let's do it. Let's get it right the first time instead of having multiple uh, you know, rocks being thrown from the sidelines because exactly. I told you it wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I couldn't agree more. If, 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 yeah, delaying it. So it's absolutely spot on when it does arrive is, is a good call. Mm. Yeah. yeah, sure. Um, Don, we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks for the conversation. I, but I will ask before you go, what team do you support, like, internationally? Oh, you see, you're going to lose half your viewers now, uh, or maybe more. I, internationally, I'm a dyed-in-the-wall West Ham United fan, uh, third generation, and uh, my, my kids are tattooed in the, uh, in the club badge as well. So that's been my Euro snob uh, background. Um, Domestically, uh, I've, I think I've missed seven of Melbourne Victory's uh, 19 years of home games. So, yeah, we'll uh, have to let Don go uh, now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was lovely to chat. <laughs> again, but, uh, and I'm, I'm really sorry about your viewership. Yeah. Your, your listeners are uh, heading south. So, uh, uh, but to, look, actually, to, to wrap that up, I had a meeting uh, last week with um, Brad Rass, uh, Chris Pavanis and Caroline Carnegie, the three... Uh, senior execs from uh, Melbourne City, Melbourne Victory and uh, Western United. And I said, you know, for my sins, I'm a card-carrying Melbourne Victory fan. And, and Brad Rouse made an interesting comment. He said, the only people that I'm disappointed with are the people that aren't. I don't care what club it is. The fact that you're supporting the, the competition, 100%. You're a, you know, you're a nailed-on supporter of the game. Um, surely that's what we all want. I yeah. love club rivalry and all the rest of it. And yep. To your point, you know, I feel about... Uh, South Melbourne and Melbourne Knights and Perth Glory. But yeah. at the end of the day, and this is what I want the Football Supporters Association of Australia to stand for, it really doesn't matter who you support, who you follow, locally, domestically, internationally. Um, we're all football supporters of this great game. Just love the, the game, the, exactly. The, yeah. Sure, the tighter we can bond together, the tighter we can get our opinions uh, you know, sort of um, distilled, and then we can take those to the, to the governing bodies of the game, um, the, the better off we'll be. So, yeah, bring Good it all one. on. Yeah, absolutely. Bring it on. Good on you. Donna, appreciate your time today. Have a fantastic weekend. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Good to chat, Phil. Thanks, Don. Cheers, mate. Catch you next time, Don. See ya. Cheers. Bye-bye. Don Sutherland, the Chair of Football Supporters Association of Australia, FSAA. Yeah, there was a lot of abbreviations in that. I think There is. That's the the thing these days. There's so many abbreviations on everything. It is the thing these days. It is the thing, yeah. We're going to go have a break or just have a break and we'll come back and chat with Selena Holtz from Football Northern Territory in a moment. This is Penn and Phil on the World Football Programme. Thanks for staying with us. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth-generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. 
We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tire. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program 107.9 FM. We're here until midday today. Phil Kelly in the studio with me. Mick stepped out during one of the breaks. He did. Snuck away. Snuck away, didn't he? Yeah, Yeah. he was. So Penn and Phil having a chat to Selena Holt, an Indigenous trailblazer. How are you going there, Selena? Yeah, I'm well. And um, over past humid Darwin, thanks for the thing. Yeah, just uh, by way of introduction, um, I, I will make a comment too. It's been we've you and I have known each other for a long time, decades, and who would have thought that women's soccer would be where it is right now when you started playing? Oh, Pen, Penny, back in the, I mean, I'm I'm pretty overwhelmed with um, with how the development has gone. It's actually fantastic, and um, and the you know having having the FIFA. Women's World Cup um, held in our backyard, um, home soil, has been um, one of the best things that's ever happened to um, to, the, to our game and um, for the development of our game. Um, back as you know, back in the day, you know, we didn't, we you know, we had the national um, Australian um, tournament back then, but nothing to the level that we've got now, and it's good. Absolutely. It gives us. Um, it's a good platform, um, you know, to grow, you know, our um, our young young girls and boys, you know, um, the Matil- not only the Matildas but our Socceroos as well. So we've got um, got great opportunities for them now. We have, we have indeed. And I'm just going to rattle off a, a few like titles in your bio, and I might refer to you as Wally. Why are you called Wally? Wally. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Well, that was. Yeah, that, I've got a little interesting story here. So, um, well, in the early days, um, you know, I was going out with uh, my daughter uh, to his dad, Tim, and um, I think believe Tim was a coach of um, or set up Northern Redbacks, was it? Yes. Yeah, in um, Perth. Yep. So when we first met, <clears throat> you know, he he was curious about my surname being Holt. So it's uh, German Russian. And being Aboriginal, and he said, um, "Okay, how did you come about the name Holt?" And I said, "Well, um, my great grandfather is um, Waldemir Holt. Uh, he was a, a linesman um, working on the Overland Telegraph um, station back in the early late 1800s, and he was one of uh, four explorers on the, um, you know, NTX um, expedition to set up the Overland Telegraph stations in." Um, in sort of daily, the Daly Waters region, which is about 800 kilometres south of Darwin. And so, so he was stationed out at Powell Creek and um, he, yes, he had five Aboriginal wives wow. um, and Aboriginal people couldn't um, say Waldemir, so they called him Wallaby. Hence, um, Tim nicknamed me Wally and then... Um, then when I started playing um, football or soccer back then, um, about 40 years ago, um, yeah, he 
he just kept calling me Wally and um, Middle Ace, the soccer club, all the our teammates just started calling me calling me Wally. So that's how it all started, and it stuck to this day. It did, as it has, it and it's just short for Wallaby then. Yeah. So it's not for any other stories yeah. or. There you go, Wallaby. I'd, yeah, yeah I must have missed the Wallaby part along the way, but thanks for that, Wall. Um, I bet no, I bet no one professionally calls you Wall though. It's probably just a very Perth thing then. Yeah, when I carried over to WA, I must say that I had a bit of an identity crisis because I was kind of like, I only only ever known myself then to be Wally. And then when people started calling me Selena, I was like, who? (laughs) Who's this person? So So just just by way of introductions, Selena Holt is on the board of Football Northern Territory, the Indigenous Advisory Group for Football Australia and the FIFA Cultural Panel. There are other strings in your bow, many of them. So I'll classify you as a role model, an ambassador and a trailblazer in women's soccer and football. Well, you've got a very distinguished set of titles after your name and a a long history in the game, but you did have a break. What brought you back into football? Well, after I left um, when I played all those years in, in Perth because I did a whole range of role model programs to delivering football clinics throughout WA. Um, I then uh, needed, you know, felt the need to come back, you know, to the Territory. And so my um, my children's father, uh, he's a current serving police officer, so we... We travelled quite. A, we travelled around remote Aboriginal communities in the territory, and we've got about seventy-three of them. And we were stationed in a community called Maningrida, which is in um, West Arnhem Land. And then I had the passion to, you know, wanted to have a kick around. So I got all the kids around the community to come on the oval. With I'd set up um, eleven-a-side games, um, and then. Just the natural talent um, that was there. You know, these kids, you know, I'd give them a ball, they'd be juggling the ball, and they had no formal coaching, training, or anything. It was the first time that they'd ever kicked a soccer ball around, and because their their dominant game is um, Aussie rules. And, and that's when it, you know, it sparked my, or it ignited my passion to get back into into the game but more in a um, sort of an advisory um, development mindset rather than a player. I was too old to play then. But, um, and I thought, I, I need to do something. I really want to bridge this gap between the grassroots and elite because that's what I've always known over the years was that there was a massive gap um, between the grassroots and the elite pathway. So, um, yeah, and then we... I went to Alice Springs. We transferred to Alice. I played in the um, the local competition in Alice Springs, and I won best and fairest for the in the men's C grade division, which is not too bad when you're in the thirties. Nice work, and, huh? That's right. <laughs> I was like up against all the fellas, so I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then I started doing some work in Alice Springs, and then we moved back to Darwin, and then Bruce um, Stall, the CEO of Football NT approached me and asked me if I wanted to be a director on Football Northern Territory and and I thought, yeah, I'll bring all that experience from remote and regional Northern Territory 
um, into the boardroom. He's got a catch in you, I think. If I think back through WA history, there's only a handful of Indigenous players that I can think of, um, and Tanya Oxtaby. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a stretch, really, but um, somewhere back in the history there, Tanya Oxtaby will claim to be Indigenous. Yeah. Um, and Mel Spillman, Melissa Spillman, who plays for Mandra, she's an amazing Aboriginal artist. Um, Lydia Williams is from... Um, that's right. Yeah, yep. remote WA, yep. and Linda Kelly. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I can think of any more. So you're, you're this part of a prestigious group, well? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I'm really, um, you know, proud to be um, a part of, you know, being a, a small group of um, First Nations um, athlete uh, football players. I'm only back in the day when I when you and I played uh, for WA. I was the only um, um, First Nations player in the squad for. Um, for the seniors, that is, senior women. Yep. And and then in our women's first division competition, um, that's where, you know, we had um, Tanya Oxtaby play. She was like, oh, she was in the under, about 14 back then. And, yep. Um, and, and it was just amazing to actually, um, I'm really proud of, of where she's, you know, um, where she's come from, from back then to where she is um, today. You know, she's an extraordinary um, trailblazer in her own right, um, doing what she's done with Chelsea and, and now um, coaching over in, um, coaching the island, on the island club. So The island national team. Yeah, national team. Yeah, the yeah. island, sorry, yeah. club, not, yeah, national team, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's incredible, right? So um, what's, uh, tell us a little bit about your role during the... FIFA Women's World Cup. Yeah, well, that's um, with the FIFA Women's World Cup. So, uh, being appointed as one of the members of the National Indigenous Advisory Group, um, which we provide advice to the Board of Football Australia, uh, we were well, NIAG was approached through Football Australia to um, put up three um, First Nations um, members. Um, so, so the the cultural panel was made up of six, so three Australian First Nations women and um, three Māori women. So I was the co-chair of um, Australia for, you know, for um, the First Nations Australia side, and we all came together um, around about July last year, around the pre-tournament, um, to the draw, and so we did a lot of that back-end work back then around... Um, you know, around the naming of the, the stadiums, you know, Indigenous naming of the stadiums, um, the, the cultural, you know, the protocols, um, even the um, naming of the mascot, um, you know, and all of that. So we did quite a lot of back-end work there and and I was extremely um, honoured and proud to be a part of, um, you know, that journey. And we named our... We named our cultural panel um, First Sisters of Country, Fanu by Sea and, and Sky, and Fanu meaning family, and the connection that we, because in Aboriginal culture, First Nations people refer to, you know, you know, sisters and brothers and, yeah. and that. So, so we had a, we, we even FIFA gave us that opportunity to name our own panel. Going forward, will that carry into the future Women's World Cups where 
that they might not be in spaces where there are Indigenous groups, but will the, the policies and the strategies and whatever foundations you laid, will that carry forward? Well, we've... Um, so, so the Secretary-General, um, Fatma Samura, she was the one that initiated, um, you know, the cultural panel. And she's, a, you know, a wonderful lady, you know, of colour as well, very smart, very strong. And she said, no, I want... Um, you know, I want a panel such as this. So it's her initiative, and what we've been, what we've done is we've submitted a, a final report um, to FIFA, recommend, recommending that um, that this type of initiative continue um, to be sustained for future um, World Cup tournaments. So, so we've already, um, and it's a collective report from the panel members to FIFA. I think you can be pretty proud of yourself in the journey that you've travelled and some of the groups that you're asked to be a part of and are part of is because of um, the person that you are and the, the the steps that you've taken. So well done in all, all that. Well, it's amazing. Oh, thanks, Penny. I mean, probably my, you know, outside of, well, with the FIFA experience, um, what I was really um, humble about is I extended an invitation to... Secretary General, I actually flew over to Sydney for a 24-hour flight to invite her um, to the Northern Territory. I said to her that, you know, Darwin is not a host city, and we're going to, you know, miss out. And I believe that if we're going we're having a World Cup in our back in, in our country it needs to be all inclusive. And she accepted the invitation. Yeah, and she spent three, um, three days. Um, on a cultural immersion experience um, here in Darwin. And um, she attended a NAIDOC ball with 850 First Nations people um, in attendance, gave a speech, talked about, um, you know, the World Cup and the match ball, etc. And it was it was just fantastic. So... Um, I did... I want to um, say to you that so, some of the Matildas, such as uh, Kai Simon and Lydia Williams, who are recognised Matildas, did not get one minute of game time during the recent World Cup. What's your thoughts on their selection in the team? My thought is that they are amazing leaders in the group and they added to not necessarily um, their, their playing uh, because... They, um, because Kai was coming back from injury, mm. um, but what they could add because of their experience because to their, the group. Their, their leadership, their was, camaraderie, and that sort of thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's yeah. your thoughts on that, Wal? Yeah, well, I, I guess there has to be um, a succession plan and um, we've got, you know, they're still very much a part of our, they play a huge role actually in the leadership role and um, having, you know, I, I mean, I've I've been in situations, and you know that can where we've, um, you know, but you know we've sat on the bench, etc. But there was no, there was no plan. It was like, okay, you're on the bench. Whereas this, this is about our our youth coming through. We need to. I mean, they're all Sam Kerr. A lot of that, a lot of the players are in there. What thirty now? They're, yes. they've probably got another World Cup, and that's about it. So if we don't. Um, maintain this momentum, then you know we're going to go backwards. So we need to keep the intensity, 
we're number 11 in the world um, and, you know, we've got to continue with our development. But I also think that um, we've got to really invest um, football. Australia's got to invest in the grassroots. We've got so much untapped talent out in our regional, in our remote areas. And it's not just um, First Nations people. It's um, it's it's all, all um, giving all children all um, an opportunity to participate in you know in this great game. So um, it can't just be just all on the eastern, you know, on the seaboard side. Has to invest in the you know, in our regional areas as well. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I know Football West does a lot of work in the regional areas here particularly, and I know up in the Kimberley and the Gascoigne, they definitely do. But I'm really, and I know that we shouldn't um, just focus on First Nations people, but as someone, I mean, I'm the president of a club, I'm always thinking of, of ways of engaging First Nations communities because, I mean, we have, we do have a, a First Nations gentleman, he's in our, He's in our first team. He plays as a striker and is an amazing athlete. And I just always thinking, I just I would love to tap into that resource somehow. Do you know what I mean? And how we can um, engage those communities more. And yeah, what are we not? Yeah, doing? what are we not doing that attracts them to our game and attracts the, the, these communities to our game? And, and why? Well, when you're out in those remote communities, do they have an Aussie rules football, not a soccer ball? What's the answer? Well. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, um, if, if the way I look at it, if um, if the AFL can can do it successfully, then why can't we? Yes. Um, you know they've, and we've got the role models there. You know, we, you know, we'll we'll have Lydia and Kaya, and we've got Jade North. You know, Jade North yeah. is our um, our co-chair for the National Indigenous Advisory Group. Um, we need to bring all these players, these past elite players back into um, back into the community back engaging and um, you know working at the grassroots um, otherwise it, you know it'll get you know it'll be more years that'll pass and then the young people coming through will go well who are you you know mm. need to keep keep it you know keep them coming back in developing from the grassroots identifying this talent they've got the networks and the connections at the elite level, there's nothing stopping us from setting, um, bridging that gap between the grassroots and the league. Yeah. Um, it's not just that. It's because clubs are so important to community as well. And I think there's a lot of work that we can do in that, in that space. And we know the challenges we've got, particularly in some First Nation groups as well, about you know what can clubs do to help to help bridge that gap as well. Yeah, I, personally, I, like here in, in Darwin, um, well, Football NT, we've got a, a, a very good relationship with Football West and Football... Well, um, Bruce has got one with all football a member federation. Yeah. And um, so we're looking at doing a Northern Australian um, uh, program, you know, between, you know, you know to tap into those um, remote and regional areas. And I think that sharing those resources across um, all three, or well, all the all the different states, um, will help. So bringing back, you know, these uh, regional competitions, um, identifying the talent through them, taking them to, um, you know, camps 
in uh, we used to have a lot of um, ho- a lot of skills development camps in um, in the major cities, so even in Perth or Darwin. You know, we can set up these hubs, and um, but also there has to be um, financial investment. You know, because we're talking about geographically. Yes. Yeah. You know, distances are an issue. It's almost um, impossible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but there are, um, from First Nations perspective, you've, there's um, Aboriginal community control organisations that are, um, you know, functioning and thriving in regional areas, you know, partnering up, you know, with them to um, to develop these programs. They've all got um, youth services, youth programs, sport and rec programs. Um, so we don't have to reinvent anything. We just tap into what's already um what's already um, existed, what's existing out there. I like what you're saying there. Just tap into what's there now. Well, we're going to have to let you go in a moment, but I did want to say that it was great to see the likes of Lizzie Clayton, Sarah King, Janice Stott be recognised at the Optus Stadium when the Matildas played the Philippines, 60,000 people receiving their cap. So those three Matildas were recognised for having played for Australia over the past 20 or 30 years um, yeah. the football Australia had gone back through all the records and made sure they were starting to recognise everybody. because they didn't get them previously? Correct. Right. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, that's you know, amazing. You know, w- yeah. Wall has played along. You've played alongside Lizzie, haven't you, Wall? Yeah, Lizzie yeah. and Jude. Yep. 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 So it was absolutely great to see them recognised. And how far have we come for that to happen? 60,000 people. And I, I've got to relay a little story before we go, which I've relayed to you, was that when you and I were playing for Perth Soccer Club and um, you're a mum with young Talia in the back of your vehicle... <laughs> ripping out the, the, the wipes and the nappy change and I'm yelling out, come on, Wally, get your bum over here and get into training and you're changing the, the, the kid. Um, and there I am 20 years later doing the same thing and I'm thinking how far we've come in football when you can play for the Matildas and yeah. be a mum and you're supported yeah. in that role now. The whole support and way that we you know, get people into the game now has really changed and I I really love that when I think back to those stories about you and I being single mums in that space. But it would probably mean a lot more to you from that perspective because you've seen what it was like and the, and yeah. the transition and the change. It would be amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we had a laugh. Oh, it. It, I love it. It was fantastic. It. You know, it, that was hard work, but, you know, yes. when you're determined to want to um, achieve, you do whatever. And I was just so grateful that my teammates, we're patient, supportive. I wasn't at the time. I was here like, Wally, come on here, you bum over here. You're an, you're an amazing player, by the way, Wal. Hey, pardon? You're an amazing player, by the way. Oh, thanks, Ben. <laughs> but, but you guys are the trailblazers for what's happening now, right? Yeah, we that's, were there. Like, that's what you were. Yeah. So I think you guys should take some pride in that. Thanks, Phil. Yeah. yeah. And, and before I go, I'd just like a shout-out to um, my last coach, Graeme Normanson, um, he was uh, he was amazing when he took away our state side um, that year. I think that was towards the end there. So yep. um, it's been a long time. I haven't seen him or spoken to him, but I'd like to just say hello. I hope he's well. Um, yeah, so hopefully one day I could catch up. Can I tell you, can yeah. I tell you a story there? So I played for Melville um, Central Women's Division. Two, I think it is, and we played against yeah, yeah. Subi. And yeah. uh, Normo, Graham Norman, was coaching the Subiaco team yeah. and his daughter Jen, and they're an amazing team. Oh, 100% so, yeah. they are. And w- 
if and mama I, was coached, they would be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they were. They were so whew, disciplined. Yeah. And um, my team was doing pretty well against them. Well, and there was only a goal in it, and uh, we did pretty well in that last game. I was goalkeeper, by the way. Normo was doing his nana from the sideline, Perfect. as you would expect. Perfect, yeah. But, yeah, yeah we, we took a point off him in that game. I'm really proud of that. So, there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been absolutely fantastic having a chat to you. Really appreciate your time today. You're doing a great job. Keep it up, mate. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks well. everyone. Bye. See ya. Thanks, well. See you later. That was Selena Holt, who's an absolute Indigenous trailblazer in football right across Australia. Just, she gets out and about and does yeah. a great job being an ambassador. And no, she's doing an amazing job. Phil, it's been fantastic having you on the studio. Not in a the problem, Pat. Any time. Um, Lennon Bags Groove is uh, up next, and we'll be back next week for more football. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. <laughs>